Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you in this day as we seek to renew our spirits, as we seek to begin to think upon the last days of your Son on this earth, and we pray that you would work in our hearts in this morning hour, that you would help us to see things anew from a fresh vantage point, that you would help us to look into your word, that you would inspire us through your spirit, that you would open your word, and that it would speak to us, that we could, almost over 2,000 years later, that we could understand these, the events of these last days, and that we could be inspired yet in our lives today to live and to reflect upon the gift that your son gave us in shedding his blood on the cross and paying the price for our sins and rising again to give us newness of life in thee. All these things we pray and ask in Jesus' name, amen. As I was thinking about what would be appropriate for um, Palm Sunday, on Wednesday night, uh, Brother Mike was sharing some of the uh, experiences of his children with Easter, and it made me think about, uh, think back about some of my personal experiences. And of course, as a child, if you have if you have sunrise service and Easter breakfast, um, I think that that is uh, one of the uh, the big joys that you look forward to. Uh, I remember uh, being born in a farm community. We used to have something pretty close to sunrise service at 6:30 a.m. We would gather for church, and we would uh, have uh, our sunrise service. And meanwhile, uh, we would have the uh, some of the older teenagers or uh, young men would be out cooking breakfast. They actually cooked outside, and I always looked forward to the day when I would be old enough to uh, be able to go outside and fry, fry the, uh, the eggs and bacon, right? So obviously, from uh, an adult standpoint, uh, that maybe seems somewhat, uh, somewhat childish, and I suppose that's true. On the other hand, it uh, did give me memories, and it helped uh, reinforce the, the Easter story. And the Easter story, of course, uh, as we celebrate Easter, we think about, uh, we think about different things, and the, the progression seems to be very, uh, in some ways, very, for me, very compartmentalized, right? On, on Good Friday, I always feel this, I, I always leave Good Friday service, and I feel very very serious and very um, convicted and maybe, maybe even uh, somewhat uh, discouraged, right? Because you, Jesus has died on the cross. It's a very uh, solemn, uh, solemn account. And 
as opposed to Easter morning where we feel the joy of resurrection. But now today we're back on Palm Sunday, and I guess I feel somewhat some of the, uh, the same compartmentalization here in that Palm Sunday is a very uh, a joyous celebration. And so I want to start, I want to start, I want you to put away some of your, uh, you know, we've already, uh, Brother Josh has already talked about the, the Passover, and we've already moved into some of the Easter story, but I want to uh, back off today and come back a week to Palm Sunday, uh, what we call Palm Sunday today. And I'd like to start here with uh, reading from uh, Psalm 118, verses 19 through 26. Open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go into them, and I will praise the Lord. This gate of the Lord, into which the righteous shall enter. I will praise thee, for thou hast heard me, and art become my salvation. The stone which the builders refused is become the headstone of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. Now, verse 24 is uh, kind of very special to me here because uh, my father, uh, being born on a farm, got up every morning at 4 a.m. and milked the cows. And when we became older, uh, old enough, uh, we were able to, uh, as children, we, were, we, we uh, came upon the... Uh, opportunity to have paper routes. And through a series of coincidences, uh, we, there were, uh, used to be a large number of paper routes in town. They consolidated them into three. Uh, two of the other people quit, and suddenly we had all of the papers in Tremont to deliver in Tremont, Illinois. So my, my, my father just was, he became very enthusiastic. <laughs> and so he helped us organize how we were going to deliver the papers, and he broke it up between the four of us, and we each had certain papers we delivered every morning. And my father got up with us at 4 a.m. and got us up at 4 a.m., 4.07 a.m., I remember, on the clock. And the first thing he would say is, this is the day which the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So... I don't know. As a teenager, I was not really that enthusiastic about that verse, at least at 4 a.m. And uh, but it's always stuck with me, you know, the the importance of you know when we begin our day to begin the day with the the Lord, to begin the day with rejoicing, and to look forward to what the the Lord has in store for us because He's made the day and He's prepared whatever we have to face in that day for us.
And, of course, here are these verse 26, blessed be he that comes in the name of the Lord. This uh, is a uh, potential, is uh, uh, part of the, uh, the Palm Sunday, uh, the, the standard uh, Palm Sunday citation here. Also, I'd like to uh, read here in Zechariah 9.9, which was the prophecy of Jesus coming into Jerusalem. Zechariah 9.9, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass, and upon the colt, a colt, the foal of an ass. And verse 10, And I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim, and the horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, he shall speak peace unto the heathen, and his dominion shall be from sea even to sea, and from the river even to the ends of the earth. So here was the prophecy of Jesus coming into Jerusalem, riding on a donkey. So now I'm going to turn to Luke 19. And I had forgotten uh, some of what transpired before this, so I'm going to uh, read uh, preceding that, and we're going to start with the first verse, and it talks about Jesus uh, entering and passing through Jericho. So Jesus was on the, coming into Jerusalem, Jesus was on the Jericho Road. Now, the Jericho Road is a winding road, it's about uh, 17 miles, if you count all the curves, uh, maybe uh, 13 miles uh, or less if it's a straight point-to-point -point measurement. And it starts in Jericho, 2,200 feet below sea level, and it rises to 1,200 feet above sea level. So it's quite a steep extent, ascent, and of course, it's not a straight ascent. It goes up and down and up and down, and again, it's very curvy. And this was the scene of Jesus' parable about the, the Good Samaritan. Remember about how uh, a man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was waylaid by robbers, and the Good Samaritan comes along and, uh, and helps him. And it was also known as the way of blood. So it had this... Uh, had this connotation of being a treacherous place, and uh, the winding road provided many opportunities for robbers to lay in wait and to, uh, to uh, attack those that were unwary on the way. So Jesus is uh, passing through Jericho on the Jericho Road, coming into to Jerusalem. And starting with verse uh, 2 here in Luke 19, says, And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. 
And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when he saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be the guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I will restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus then went to transition into the parable of the, the ten servants that he gave the, in Luke's account, the ten pounds, or, or uh, more commonly we think of it as the parable of the ten talents. And then when he finished speaking that, uh, we, I'm going to pick up again with verse 28. And when he had thus spoken, he went before, ascending up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass, when he was come to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go ye into the village over against you, in the which at your entering in ye shall find a colt tied, whereupon yet never man sat. Loose him and bring him hither. And if any man ask you, Why do you loose him? Thus shall ye say unto him, Because the Lord hath need of him. And they were, that were sent went their way and found even as he had said unto them. And as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, Why loose ye the colt? And they said, The Lord hath needed him. And they brought him to Jesus, and they cast their garments upon the colt, and they sent Jesus thereon. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. So, when you get to the, uh, you're coming from Jericho, when you get to the top of the Mount, uh, Mount of Olives, uh, to get to Jerusalem, you have to descend into the Valley of Kidron and then come back up into the city. So uh, you're at the top of a large hill and you're going to be down. And from the Mount of Olives, you can look down and you can see Jerusalem. Today, you can see the, well, you can still see the temple today from the Mount of Olives. And uh, so you're, you're relatively close, but you still have to make this descent and then, or descent and then a smaller ascent to get, to get into Jerusalem. And uh, also, of, uh, of course, uh, Bethany here is famous for being the home of Martha and Mary. And we know that shortly before this, Jesus had come to Bethany and had healed uh, Lazarus, had raised Lazarus from the dead. Um, so uh, this is a very, uh, Jesus has spent a lot of time here between uh, Bethany and, uh, and Jerusalem uh, during, during his lifetime. Picking up with verse uh, 37, And it, when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. 
And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, If you hadst known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. For the days shall come upon thee, that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee, and compass thee round, and keep thee in on every side, and shall lay thee even with the ground, and thy children within thee. And they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. I'm going to uh, stop with the 44th verse for now. As adults, sometimes we, we take everything very seriously. And, uh, you know, we have our own hashtag for that, right? Hashtag adulting uh, that we often may point out to our children. The fact that, you know, hey, it's great to be a child, but someday you're going to have to grow up and be a serious adult like me. Um, which I'm sure is, is very, uh, makes them very enthusiastic about becoming adults. Um, but if we want to understand Palm Sunday, I think we have to step back and look at it from a, a child's perspective. And we used to have an older sister in our, our church, and she used to often say, you know, as Christians, we're called to be childlike, not childish, right? And uh, while in English, uh, on the surface, those two words have the same meaning, um, I think that as we look at them, we understand, at least uh, have a grasp of somewhat the, the difference that, uh, that she was uh, trying to get to. And if we look in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 13, of course, uh, the Apostle Paul says, when I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. And uh, the need for us to be spiritually mature, to become uh, adults in, a, churl, in a, uh, a spiritual sense is unmistakable, right? But we also have Matthew 18, where Jesus talks, where, where uh, the disciples came into Jesus and asked him who was going to be the greatest in heaven. And Jesus called a little child unto him, and he set them in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive one of these little children, this little child in my name, receiveth me. But whosoever shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. So, coming back to Luke 19, I'd like to look at this uh, 
from the, uh, the pr perspective of the, the innocence of a child, from the sp perspective of the humility of a child, and uh, compare that to how we as adults uh, sometimes, uh, how we as adults should uh, still embrace that today. So the first uh, account that we have here in Luke 19 is one that's very familiar to us from, uh, from Sunday school, the story of Zacchaeus, right? So, and the song, of course, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and he climbed up into the sycamore tree. So here was Zacchaeus. It says he was a rich man, he was also chief among the publicans. Zacchaeus was someone who was fully hashtag adulting, right? As far as outward society could look and see, Zacchaeus was very successful. But Zacchaeus seemed to be missing something. He wanted to see Jesus. I don't even know if he knew why exactly he wanted to see Jesus, but he had heard about Jesus, evidently. And uh, for some reason, somewhat similar to the woman that uh, wanted to touch Jesus' garment, he thought that you know, seeing him would, uh, would somehow, I don't know, bless him, would somehow, I don't know, that he would, uh, I don't know what he expected. What would you, what would you, what would you expect you know, I'm just going to, a famous person's coming by, and I'm just going to, I'm going to see him. Um, and, uh, you know, um, well, one time uh, the then-President Nixon came to, uh, came to uh, town next to our small town, and so we all went out and lined the roads to see him, and uh, one of my... Uh, Cousin's aunt, when he came by, he was so flustered that all she got was a back, the back of his head and picture of his, his head, back of his head from the limo going by, right? So when a famous person comes to town, you know, I, I don't know what we expect, but uh, sometimes we become emotional, we become uh, lost in the moment, and, uh, you know, I mean, I'm... Looking back, I'm, I'm so thankful I saw the back of Richard Nixon's head once, but um, I, I digress. So uh, what, I, I don't know what, what, what Zacchaeus was, was expecting to happen here, but uh, I think what happened was very different than, than what, uh, what we had, what, what he was expecting, or perhaps, you know, he climbed up to this tree just so he could see Jesus, but Jesus knew he was there. Jesus saw him. Jesus knew that somewhere in his heart that he was seeking, that he had a need that wasn't being fulfilled by his riches, that wasn't being fulfilled by the status that he had among the publicans. And Jesus asked him, you know, called out to him and said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down because today I'm going to abide at thy house. And he came down and received him joyfully. 
Now, we as adults, think about this. If we have an unexpected guest, this is not always a joyful experience. But Zacchaeus was joyful. Zacchaeus had a desire to see the Lord. He had that humility of the young child, and he wanted to see Jesus. Not only did he want to see Jesus, but he had the opportunity to talk to Jesus, and he embraced that. And when Jesus talked to him, something moved in Zacchaeus' heart. And he said, Lord, the half my goods I give to the poor, and if I've taken anything from any man by false accusation, I will restore him four times, fourfold. Meanwhile, other adults were back here murmuring in the background that, you know, Jesus went to eat with the sinner. Jesus went to be with the sinner, you know. So we have to be careful from an adult standpoint that uh, we don't become haughty, that we don't, that we don't uh, forget that uh, Jesus' primary uh, goal here was to come to seek and to save those that were lost, as he states in verse 10, right? He's not here to come and, and uh, you know, be a, be a good buddy here to us holy people. He's here looking for those that are downtrodden, those that are sick with sin, and those who need restoration. As we come to Jesus into Jerusalem, uh, Jesus comes into Jerusalem here. Of course, we have the uh, this uh, account here that always kind of floors me. You know, what would you, what would, what would, what would it be like if somebody came to you and said, "Hey, you know, I'd like to borrow your car for a couple hours here. Uh, can you just hand me the keys?" And um, you know, I don't know. Perhaps that's the closest thing I can. I can think of or look at it from a, a modern perspective here, uh, that where the disciples came up to this stranger. They went to take, just not, not only take it, they, to, to borrow, ask to borrow it, but they went to take it first, and then, then when somebody approached them, then they said, hey, can we borrow this? Can we borrow the cold, right? And it's so, I don't know. If you look at this event, when I step back, you know, I have to, I have to think, you know, Again, from an adult perspective, you know, this is somewhat strange, and I just have to think that somehow, somehow the Spirit was there, somehow the Spirit was working, and the Spirit kind of took over this whole day, right? The Spirit took over the people that were there as Jesus came into, uh, when they told the owner that the Lord has need of him, it doesn't seem to be a problem, they took the colt. They uh, put their garments on the colt, and they set Jesus thereon. I always wondered what a colt would do, too, if nobody's, nobody's ever sat on them before. You know, uh, kind of reminded me of the, uh, in the Old Testament, about how the, uh, the Philistines took the, uh, took the, uh, the uh, calves away from the cows, and, and uh, they sent the cow, they just let the cows randomly go off, and the cows went to Israel and returned the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant, you know, this doesn't, doesn't seem like you could just put somebody on the, uh, the, uh, the colt and that they would uh, be obedient, that they would do the right thing, that they would go to the right place, uh, that, that they would be cooperative at all. And yet here, um, 
The colt seemed to know who was sitting on it. And uh, when he was come nigh, even now, to descend on the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. Again, quoting uh, from Psalm 118, Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And again, some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples, right? You know, we're, we're, you're, they're getting a little excessive here. Our praises, these, these, I'm, not, I'm not really comfortable with this, right? And, um, you know, obviously a lot of times, you know, the, her- the Pharisee's heart wasn't in the, the right perspective. But, uh, you know, a lot of times as parents, we, uh, when our children become excitable, uh, you know, we kind of try to put a damper on that. And, uh, but Jesus told them, he said, uh, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. You know, the spirit was here, the spirit was moving, and Jesus is telling them that this, this is the way God intends it. This is what I was sent here for. This is what my disciples should be doing. This is what the children should be doing. Another place we read about how when Jesus came into the temple, you know, the children were, were shouting and praising God, and that, you know, again, the Pharisees were upset about that. Um, you know, sometimes, perhaps in our lives as adults, we, we start responding to our natural, our natural intentions, the seriousness that we think, the, think that uh, God wants out of us, that we lose the opportunity to spontaneously praise God. We lose the opportunity to, to be in the Spirit and to be thankful and to honor and glorify God. And here, you know, we see this, in this account, we see how I believe that the, the Spirit of God was here and was on this and that these people, although be it almost, you know, some of them may have been stones, they had to praise God. They had to come out and they had to be doing this, that they were unable to stop the moving of the Spirit, whether or not they were sincere, we don't know, whether or not they believed in Jesus. I to me, it appears that, you know, the Spirit took over here and people were unable not to praise God, could not hold themselves back from, from rejoicing that, that, the Lord was come in, that the Lord was coming into Jerusalem. Now, of course, you know, we have to look at this historically. You know, another place it says they said, Hosanna, save us. You know, that many of these people were perhaps looking at this as, as uh, God sending a... A, a savior to deliver them from the Romans. Uh, and obviously, that was the, the wrong perspective. But, um, but God's goal, it seems here, was to give praise and honor to his son and to, to, glorify, to glorify his name.
On August 2nd, 1943, there was a patrol boat in the Pacific Ocean that uh, came upon a Japanese destroyer, or the Japanese destroyer came upon it. Japanese destroyer hit it, sliced it in half. There were 13 men on board, two of whom died or disappeared that night. The other 11, in spite of the fire that was on the water and in spite of the, the fumes from the gasoline, came back to what remained of the hall, and they spent the rest of the night there hoping for salvation, hoping that someone was going to come and to save them. Unfortunately, because of the large fire, the other patrol boats that had seen this uh, were assumed that everyone was killed in this explosion and that uh, no patrol boat could survive being breached by a Japanese destroyer. And so they went back, reported that all had been killed, and a funeral service was held for the 13 men. Meanwhile, the 11 remaining men that were remaining alive hung onto the boat. By morning, they realized, the next day, they realized that no one was coming for them. And so they set out on the trip to the only island that they could think of that uh, in the area that was not up, that was not occupied by the Japanese. It was a tiny island and seemed to be of no consequence, so they thought that they could get there. It was about three miles away, and it took him five hours to, uh, to uh, swim there with uh, the aid of their life jackets and with uh, the aid of a timber from the boat that uh, some of them held on to. The original engineer who was in the uh, who was down in the engine compartment, was so injured and burned that he could not swim. And so the leader of this group, John F. Kennedy, later to become President of the United States, towed him by holding the strap of the life jacket in his teeth as he swam, and the others held on to the timber. When they arrived on the island, they found that there was no food or drink. There were coconuts up in the tree, but because of their injuries and their weakness, they were unable to get to them. And so taking into account what they knew, they knew at night that the patrol boats often crossed uh, two islands over in a passage called the Ferguson Passage. And so at night, uh, one of them would swing over, would, would uh, swim over to the passage and try to uh, hope that a patrol boat would come through that they could flag down. And the first night, none came. The second night, none came. And also the third night, none came. And in between, they almost lost their lives. The uh, the person or persons that would go out to do this, this was dangerous duty because of the currents and because having to, to swim in these and because of their weaknesses that they've already faced. And uh, 
you know, back on the island, uh, the, those that stayed behind were, uh, were very in, discouraged. Johnston, another engineer, uh, found some of the uh, crew there praying, and he was very upset. He said, you know, you don't spend 10 cents, you haven't spent 10 cents in church in 10 years, but when you're in trouble, you, uh, you suddenly start praying here. By the next day, on the fourth day, Johnson was, uh, Johnson, uh, everyone was discouraged, and uh, Johnson was able, willing to uh, at least uh, let somebody else pray for him. Johnson told McGuire, another one of the party, to uh, give his rosary a working over for him, please, and McGuire responded that he would work it over well for everyone. In the meantime, uh, another night, nightly uh, Kennedy and uh, another crew member, Ross, uh, swam to another island, and uh, eventually they found some natives, and they wrote a message on a coconut and sent it with the natives and hoped that, uh, hoped that it would get to someone. Uh, the following night, they went out again. They were almost, they had a canoe, but it was swamped, and they were almost killed. Uh, they washed back up on the beach. They got back onto the beach, and the next day when they awoke, uh, there were four natives there, and uh, the natives had uh, the natives uh, told them that uh, they had a message from a commander from the New Zealand Infantry, and that uh, they should come with them. So they returned back to the previous island. The natives made a meal for the men, and they made, uh, they made uh, plans to rendezvous that following night with another patrol boat that would pick them up. That night, the patrol boat came and picked them up. And Johnston, the one who had been... Uh, had uh, been down on prayer, grabbed hold of two of the natives, and the natives were trained by missionaries. And so Johnston and the two natives sang at the top of their lungs. They sang, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. He is, we, they are weak, but he is strong. This Easter, I hope that we can come back to the perspective of a little child. Perhaps there's something in our lives that we need to be humble about. Perhaps there's something in lives, our lives, things in our lives we've become too serious about, and we've forgotten that Jesus is come to seek and to save those that were lost. That Jesus is coming, that Jesus wants us to be humble. Jesus wants to be, us to be like little children. Jesus wants us to listen to his word. Jesus wants us to rejoice in the joy that he has brought us. And I pray that each of us in this Easter season will, will step back and try to look anew at Jesus coming into Jerusalem afresh, that we will look at the joy that he brought to the children, the joy that he brought to the adults just by coming into Jerusalem, that we will remember, remember through his death 
and his life and his crucifixion and his rising again that Jesus came to save sinners, that Jesus came to save the little children, and that I am the chiefest of sinners, and that yet Jesus is extending mercy and grace to me, and that I can have the joy of Easter in my life and every day.